wanted to start my talk today about just doing a quick story about something that happened to me on Friday night. Friday night, I was reversing my car in a car park, and all of a sudden, the rear windscreen just smashed. I assumed that I'd hit a tree because there was a tree close by, but there was no other damage to the car. It was just the rear windscreen totally smashed out, and I don't 100% sure not why. But the first, I was all safe, no accident, nothing like that. And the first thing I thought to do was to phone my brother, who was just up the road. And he gave me some advice, and he said, actually, Norman, my other brother, he said he's on his way down to see you tonight. And we came off the phone, and I was, don't know what to do, a little bit teary and things like that. And then I turned around and looked over in the car park, and there's my brother, my other brother, coming. And it's a relief, and it was fantastic. So one brother had phoned the other brother, said, don't come all the way down here. Go meet her in the car park. She needs your help. And they'd come. And it's just, they represent good brothers, good family to me. And I can call on them whenever I need to call on them. And that's my story today about good family. But we're talking today about representing God and how we, the family of God, can be representing him here on earth because we all represent different things, mums, dads, places of work, places of school, whatever we do, we're representing different things. But our ultimate goal is to represent our Father in heaven. So we're going to have a look, because obviously in the Bible, we are so lucky to have the Bible. We are so lucky to have Holy Spirit to guide us through the Bible when we're looking, when we're reading, when we're pursuing things. So we're going to take a look at Moses, because he's a good representation of God here on, when he was on earth. So he was saved and hidden as a newborn baby for three months, placed in a basket, traveled down the Nile, and ended up with Pharaoh's daughter, being brought up in the palace as one of Pharaoh's sons. He was chosen and protected from birth for greater things. And then I'm sure we knew the story. He grew up saw the um, Egyptians beating up a Hebrew, killed the Hebrew, was going to be killed, was going to, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. Short story, obviously. Pharaoh wanted to kill him, so off he went to live in Midian, found himself a wife, and had some sons. Short story about Moses. But my point of this story is that God saw him from a young age. And I believe that why, by the way that he was protected that God had a plan and a purpose for his life, as God does with all of us today. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, I know the plans I have to, for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then we move on a little bit with Moses, that amazing time of the burning bush. When God calls Moses, tells him to go back to Egypt and free his people. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm sure you know the story. But if you don't, go and read Exodus in the Bible. But Exodus 3, 9 to 10 says, God is talking to Moses from the burning bush. And it says, this, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
And Moses replies, as I'm sure a lot of us do when God calls us to do something. He says, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Egyptians out of Egypt? And that's a question I think that we ask God when he says to us, go do this. Who am I to do this? But God's reply is really simple. I will be with you. And he goes on to say, this will be the sign that, you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And also, that's God's reply to us very often. I am with you. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you, will be with you, will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But I also thought it was interesting what God said, because when he said, I will be with you, he said, the sign that you, sorry, this will be the sign that it is I who, that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the Egyptians out. When you have brought the Israelites, sorry. <laughs> Let me get back on track. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on the mountain. He doesn't tell him before. He doesn't give the assurance that he is the God. He just says from the burning bush, I am the God of your fathers. But it, Moses has to trust that actually that is God who is talking to him from a burning bush. I would, I'm not going to go there. But, <laughs> but he has to trust because God's not going to give him the actual sign till after the event. Afterwards, you will know it's me because you will worship on the mountain. We have to do the same with us as well. When God calls us, when God tells us something, maybe not from a burning bush, maybe from a burning bush, we don't know, because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Maybe we will have a similar experience. But we have to trust and know it's from God. Then we have to move. And God might tell us later on down the line more information. He doesn't give us every single thing at once. He tells us a little bit, the next little thing that he wants us to do and says, I will be with you. And then we have to trust and move. So God now, as Mary reminded us last week, is living inside of us. We are the temple that he chooses to reside in. Have you ever had that time when God asks you to speak or move or give a word of encouragement to others or prophesy something? Your heart gets faster and faster. You become hot and wonder if you can, if you should. If you're hearing properly, if you start, will he actually give you the words to finish? That's the spirit burning inside you, Holy Spirit, encouraging you to move, encouraging you, cheering you on to go do what God's asking you to do and represent him in whatever he's asking you to do, as Moses did to his people. I remember the first time, one of the first times that God said to me, it was in church, go pick up the microphone. Obviously, ask permission from who's leading. Go pick up the microphone. I've got a word for you to say. And my heart was beating so fast. It was ridiculous. But I knew that God was, he wasn't just asking. He was telling that you need to go. I don't remember at all what it was I had to speak. But I had to go and I had to say whatever it was. And so eventually I did it, I think after a few times. But that was Holy Spirit saying, go, move, I'm encouraging you. 
God wants you to do this. Go tell the people, whatever it was. I had to talk. I had to pick up the microphone. I had to trust that who I was hearing, what I was hearing was correct. And then I had to step out in faith and do that. And that hopefully is one of the things that's allowed me to step, to move, to be representing what I hope God will now. And obviously Jesus is the one that we can look to for examples of representing God well as well. He's the ultimate example of God here on earth. Matthew five thirteen to 16 tells us, sorry, he talks about salt and the light. And he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in a, on a stand, give it a light, and everyone in give it and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When Jesus said this, he wasn't just speaking to the multitudes, to the disciples. He's speaking to us today. Salt brings flavor, changes the taste of the food that it's put into. Likewise, when we're representing God, we change situations around us, change the flavor, carrying his presence into situation. I did it a simple way the other day. There was a young child, a near teenager, arguing with her mum in the childminding setting. And she was sitting, just arguing back on the settee. And all I did was went and sat next to her and just spoke quietly. And it calmed the situation. It just brought peace into the situation. I could have done nothing. I could have carried on and agreed with her mum. But I didn't. I chose to bring God's peace into the situation. And it got calmer. So when Jesus tells us that we're the salt of the earth, he also says that salt's not good for anything if it loses its saltiness. In order to be salt to the world, we have to keep going to the one who brings us flavor. We have to keep going to God. You have to search him, seek him, and know him more, worship and celebrate him. I know before I became a Christian, I was attracted to people that knew God. They listened to me. They gave me time. They were fun to be around. When I became a Christian, I hung around people that knew God well, and they changed my life. They showed me how to enter the presence of God in everyday life, not by lecturing me, telling me what I was doing wrong, not by um, Bible bashing, as people say, but by literally being sought in my life just by watching what they did and how they spoke and how they reacted and how they brought God into their everyday life. They woke up things in me that God placed in me that I didn't know about. Thank you. And I, I just pray that we can all be like that to people around us. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. Light attracts people. But again, we have to continue to go daily before the Lord, worship, praise, read and learn from the Bible. Ask Holy Spirit for help. Talk to other Christians, pray, spend time with God, go deeper with him, be expectant to see his miracles. If we are the light of the world, light needs fuel. Our fuel 
comes from our Heavenly Father and being in his presence. We have to be in that place. We cannot represent him if we do not know him. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says faith, love, peace. Sorry, faith, love, hope. I had to check it. Faith, love, hope. To me, that represents what Jesus is doing. It represents a life and a representation of Jesus. To the world, it might not mean anything. It might just be a pretty T-shirt. I wear a cross around my neck. I've worn it since the day I knew Jesus, I think, and I wear it ever since. But that's what it represents to me, the love of Jesus and what he's done for us. But to the world, it's just a fashion. It could be a fashion symbol. It might not represent anything to do with Jesus. What is what we say, and it's our action, and what we say to the world that represents him, not necessarily what we're wearing. So are we following and remembering his greatest commandment that Jesus spoke in Matthew 12, 30 to 31? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So loving him with all our heart, with all our mind and soul and strength should be a joy as we seek him daily, not a chore. But there's times when I think it can be a chore and an effort to come before God with the busyness of our lives and because it's not in our routine yet. But you know what? There's no excuse because Julie told us the other week (laughs) that it takes 66 days to get a routine. So if it's not in our routine to come daily before God, put it bluntly, get it in your routine because we need to do it. And I know some of us have moved from when you spoke about that and some of us have started doing it and it's a joy to see. Being with God empowers us to love others as Jesus did, show him, to show his kindness and bring his joy, to be the one to listen and the one to talk and the one to represent him well. Let's take a look at David now. He was chosen as a young boy to represent God, chosen from all his brothers to be king. It wasn't always easy, but God doesn't promise that it will always be easy. He promises that he will be with us, never forsake us, goes before us, behind us, clears up our mess, stands beside us, is always, always with us, comforts us, protects us. King David danced in the streets, uninhabited because he was worshipping the God that he knew well wasn't worried what others thought. His love for God overtook any of his feelings. His need to praise God was higher than anything that could have held him back. If we could be in that place, and sometimes we're in that place, where we know God so very well that we always put him first, uninhabited in what we say to our friends, and not worry about what we will look like or if it comes out wrong, but just be so close to God that we always represent him. People see him, will see him in us and be called to follow him for themselves, as I did many years ago. Acts 13.22 tells us that God uh, sorry, referred to David as a man after his own heart who would do his will. That would, be one, sorry, that would be a wonderful thing to get to find out that you are a man or a woman after God's own heart. God chose David. He wasn't looking at how big he was. He wasn't looking at how popular or how much money he had. He was looking at his heart. Wondering wonder 
what our hearts are doing today, if God looks at them today. I love how we've been hearing over the past few weeks how important it is to spend that time with God. Be still in his presence. We heard it again this morning. To ask for wisdom. See how we were reminded just last week that we are the place that God chooses to host his presence. Holy Spirit is living inside of us. God knows our hearts very well. And as we spend time with him, we will get to know his heart well as well. Better. Look at the recent, I'm actually finishing up soon. Look at the recent Olympians. Athletes representing their country, physically fit, and most having trained for years. They won medals and were celebrated. If we, were re- if we represent God, then we have to be spiritually fit. Know our Bible, know our God, know his heart by spending that time with him. We need not to settle for that little that we can do, but strive, as it says in Hebrews 12, 1, to rid ourselves of every obstacle and sin which so easily entangled us, and let's run the race of endurance that is set before us. Not that we can win medals, not that we can be celebrated, but so that God can be celebrated. Knowing that we represent him the best that we can, so that God can be known to the people around us. The Olympians flew their flag, and we're very proud to show that where they were from. We belong to the kingdom of heaven that is far above this earth. We were brought at a great price, the life of Jesus. We had a flag. I think it would be covered in his blood and the tears as he cries for the lost of the world. And as we wave it, we would hear his voice as he calls to the ones to come home. And yet he chooses us, mere mortals on earth, to represent him. And I pray that each and every one of us will do that well. I'm going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will represent you well. I pray that you will give us hearts to come and search you more, to go deeper with you, to know you, to sit in your presence, to sit still, to strive to love you more, Lord. Because the more we love you, the more our hearts will be for the people in the world. Help us, Heavenly Father, to search you, to love you, to pray with you more. Help us to speak to the people around us, to teach you, to teach them to love you, to just be representations of you here on earth, to show love that you showed, to show joy that you showed, to bring peace into places. Lord, we are, you are all we want and you are all we need. Help us to show you in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen.